Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, right at the moment, we're in the midst of a lot of flux in the job market. Companies are hiring and workers are leaving jobs they have to take other jobs. Sometimes they take a lot of baggage with them when they do it. Sometimes it's happy memories and sometimes it's not so happy memories. And one question that doesn't get talked about a lot, though, is what happens when they quit those jobs? Do the companies just say bye or do they bother to do much of an exit interview? Do they make plans to keep in touch? Should they be making plans to keep in touch? We have two guests today, and they have a lot of thoughts about how companies should treat their departing employees. Allison Dockner is an Associate Professor of Management at the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University, and Aaron Macarius is an Associate Professor of Management at the University of Akron's College of Business Administration. Now, they wrote a paper on employee exits, and I saw it in the Harvard Business Review. I thought the timing was really perfect to have them on to talk about this topic. They have some great thoughts to share, so please stay with us. Well, can you turn departing employees into loyal alumni? Our guests today think so. Allison Dockner and Aaron Macarius wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review on this subject, and they think there are ways that companies can manage things that would give them a network of people that are positive about the company and perhaps just more positive in general about the uh, leaving a company. So they join me now. Well, hello, Allison and Aaron. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, you know what? I have so many questions on the subject and everything else, but I always like to ask people first to tell me about their own careers because this is a work in the future podcast. Uh, it's good to hear how you ended up writing about what you're doing or doing what you're doing. So maybe I'll start with Allison if you can tell me how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had some work experience in training and development. And as director of education, I knew right away that I wanted to get my PhD and I wanted to research this topic and I wanted to teach students on that topic. And that's where it all started. I got my PhD at the Ohio State University with Aaron and um, my research agenda since then has expanded a bit. Um, I look a lot at how modern changes to the work environment influence best practices for HR. So in terms of training, development, career transitions, retention, um, and especially in certain demographics. So I'm really interested in emerging adults or those those people under 28 years old and what they value and what they're interested in. Um, that's a good introduction for me now, but Erin and I could speak a little bit about how this particular topic evolved after she introduces herself. Sure. Erin? Yes, thanks for having me. I am Erin McCarris. I am an associate professor at University of Akron and um, my research interests are in managing boundaries into and out of the firm. And so I look at organizational boundaries in looking at work-life issues and uh, human capital flow, which is why I was interested in um, this idea of offboarding and uh, helping transition employees out of the organization. And I also look at technological boundaries and studying uh, remote work and how to build skills to do that more effectively. And so I can speak a little bit to how this particular project came about. Um, Ali and I met in the PhD program at the Fisher College of Business at Ohio State, and we'd frequently reconnect at conferences. 
And um, then we started to invite other PhD students and that kind of branched out and we started to invite alumni. And although there was no formal program at these conferences for Fisher students to get together, um, we actually contacted the university and said, can we have a list of all current and former students and actually arrange these what we called Fisher family dinners where alumni of the program and current students could connect and uh, we branched out a little bit and created a LinkedIn group and a Facebook group to try to build those connections. So it really started with our own interest in building connections with one another. And so we started to look into what organizations were doing and found that employers offer very different processes when people leave. And uh, we wanted to figure out more about why that was the case and why some companies were more successful in doing so than others. Well, I have to think in North America, most companies don't even try. You say you're going to leave and they say, okay, two weeks and then we don't know you anymore. And in some cases, they even say, just take your stuff and leave today. And so it, it doesn't seem that this is even a company, a corporate goal for a lot of places. Do you find it varies by sector or is this just sort of everywhere? Yeah, that's a really great question. So what we're learning is that it's not really industry specific. We see companies in all different industries doing this well. Um, but what you're what you pointed out is exactly right in that most companies aren't doing this. So the people we're talking to and the companies we're looking into, many of them do it really well, right? It's a part of their strategic plan. Um, they're inviting people into alumni clubs and managing this outflow process as soon as people are hired. They're tracking metrics and continuing to evolve these programs. Um, but it's such a small number of companies overall that are actually looking into this. And that's really um, when we were publishing this HBR article was of interest to us, especially given the turnover rates at this time and the labor market at this time and the fact that we know people are going to leave. So you're really missing an opportunity as a company to not consider managing that process as well. That's an excellent point, because right now there is so much flux or churn or whatever word we want to use in the labor market. People are leaving because there's other opportunities. But, you know, it seems it's very short sighted to just say, OK, leave, because you supposedly are building an industry workforce, not just a workforce for you today. I think tech does it a little bit better, perhaps, than others. But uh, it's certainly not the mindset. Now, when you say some companies are doing it better, what is it that they recognize that made them make the switch? So I think they see the value and benefits that can return from investing in an offboarding process. So uh, when companies engage in these practices, when individuals leave and really pay attention not only to that exit process, but also to alumni and maintain and create connections with people that leave the organization, it provides a, a return on that value in the form of business. So they might have partnerships with clients or suppliers in the future, as well as helps with recruitment and that we see boomerangs come back to the organization, or um, we also see uh, recruitment where they recommend the firm to others and help with that process of not only the outflow is successful, but also bringing the info and enhancing that process coming into the organization. It almost seems like an old fashioned process. Sorry to me. I'm just going to, uh, just to pick up on what Aaron said, we have Glassdoor or something like that. You really don't want people writing these reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Brand management is another key um, benefit that you see. And, you know, um, there's a study that looked at some of these initiatives and found that organizations that engaged in alumni programs saw 16% higher Glassdoor ratings uh, just because they are paying attention to that process. And so it really can help on that back end. 
So Allison, what does a good offboarding program look like? There's not one right answer. So um, I can't exactly describe that, but what we the way we look at it is how it's strategically designed. Um, so is an offboarding practice aligned with all the other talent practices? Are there clear objectives and goals? Are we designing practices as a part of that program that help to achieve those objectives? And then are we evaluating them in the end? And so there's really, it's hard to say there's one right way, but it's, are we aligning that with our overall strategy with some clear objectives? So for example, if our objectives are for talent acquisition, we want to bring more people into the organization, either through alumni referrals or through boomerangs. Are we having practices that align with that? Um, are we offering job boards to our alumni? Are we offering um, incentives for referring people as alumni, right? And so there's not one right practice or program. It's really, is this a holistic perspective of offboarding and alumni management in a way that supports whatever it is that we as an organization are trying to achieve? Erin, is there an example that comes to mind of a company that's doing it well? I think there's several examples of, you know, I think some of the best really start by investing in these programs when people join the organization and mention that, you know, we have this big alumni network and as current employees, you can invest in that directory and build relationships with alumni. And uh, we see that leaving an organization is sometimes celebrated and that, uh, you know, for example, we found that Apple stores cheer on an employee when they leave um, and have basically a tunnel that people can walk through. And so that just creates an atmosphere where people feel like it's not that they're being disloyal and when they leave, it's just a natural part of the transition process. And many companies in doing so leave the door open for people to come back in the future. And some organizations actually value that experience outside and find that once people have that experience external, they bring new ideas and new insights um, to projects and actually are better off when they return to the organization. Allison, is there an example that you particularly like? Because I, I saw so many in your article that really kind of jumped out at me. Yeah, there are so many. I mean, there's not one company by name necessarily that I highlight, but really, I think to your point about the tech industries maybe doing this well in the consulting, the law firms, the tech industries, they're used to this kind of turnover. They've seen it happen and they've seen the benefits. And so you do see a little more, you know, um, evolved programs there. We see, you know, McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group, we mentioned um, Microsoft, those types of companies that have seen this type of employees leaving and then still potentially that relationship providing benefit, they're just a little more involved, not necessarily say they're like the best example. Um, and so that that's what we're kind of calling attention to is that it this is now a reality for most industries and most organizations. And so, you know, you don't want to fall behind on, on this managing this process. Now, those are all large companies that tend to hire higher skill, higher paid individuals. They understand they're making an investment. What about the companies that don't hire those people that perhaps hire uh, lower paid, lower skilled, the, the, the restaurants, the fast food, the retail? Do any of them bother to do this? Um, you know, so one of the things that, that we look into there, and it aligns with my research on employee development, is these career transitions and upskilling people. So um, looking at the offboarding process prior to someone leaving, 
but really helping people have the best skills they need for any career career transition they want. So McDonald's is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their pathways program and they develop employees. And while they might not consider that a part of offboarding, we do in our holistic perspective of preparing for career transitions. Um, so I think um, we see Amazon, even Starbucks, companies like that that are preparing for career transitions are really preparing for you know this offboarding process potentially um, in a way that supports employees and really creates that climate that we think this offboarding is all a part of. Well, that's a great thing because we know we're going to need continuous training and educational institutions aren't going to do exactly what we need going forward. Do you see this becoming more of a formal thing that a company like McDonald's, I know Disney does this too, offers much more in the way of training and doesn't worry as much about people leaving? Because that's always the concern in North America. Why should I invest in this? The person's going to take it elsewhere. Well, I always like the saying that, you know, if you don't invest, what happens and they stay and they don't have the skills that are needed to be successful in that job. So I think it's worth it. And I would be hopeful that many companies would implement these formal programs to help invest in career transitions and their employee skills for the future, because we know that skill sets are continuously changing. And so by doing so, not only are you helping your employees prepare for their future work, but also the ones that are in your organization gain skills that are needed as work evolves and the changing nature of uh, skills develop. And the cost does not have to be, you know, an exponentially large cost, right? So there's different ways of providing offboarding or employee development that, um, you know, just access to coaches or helping people identify opportunities to learn. It's almost like employees need this entrepreneurial mindset. Like I'm navigating my own career, but I just need like a map or a compass or someone to help me get where I'm trying to get. But it doesn't have to be as costly as training and development um, of the past, right? It doesn't have to be. We provide every little program and we do everything in-house and we give you all this money for development. It could just be helping to identify learning opportunities that will help them. Um, and same with offboarding. It could just be recognition right at the point of leaving. It doesn't have to be um, financial incentive or um, access to certain resources. It could absolutely just be these little things that might make a big difference. And part of that is having honest career discussions with employees about where they want to go next. And some of the companies that we've been talking to have had career coaches that meet, you know, annually or regularly with employees to kind of say, what's the next steps and how can we help you get there? And that might be going to another position within the firm or gaining skills to help them in their current role or leaving the organization for something that might be a better fit. I love that you keep using the word alumni. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just bitter ex-employee because like, there's Facebook groups for, for people who worked at a certain restaurant or store and it's just really complaining about how horrible it was. So you're trying to like uh, encourage the opposite of that, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we we noticed when we talk about the alumni programs is that so many times um, individuals start them on their own, whether whether to share experiences that were positive or negative. And so a part of, you know, the corporation taking on these programs is they have a little bit of oversight. They could try to build, you know, a positive climate as people leave, as opposed to, you know, this bad mouthing, these glass doors and this complaining. We do always put that little asterisk though, that you can't just decide, I want all these positive alumni if they didn't have a positive work experience, right? So it is a continuum. 
It's not like someone could say, oh, I read your article. Now I want to have a great alumni program if the work experience was miserable for the employees leaving. So, you know, there is there is that point. That's a continuum of the employee life cycle. It's not like a start over or a new relationship. Yeah, clearly that's the case because you're talking about having an HR program or not an HR program where you're talking to people, where you're managing people, where you're talking about their future careers. Uh, It's not just an add-on. Let's do the exit interview, correct? Yeah, I think that's a big takeaway for us is that it's part of the entire talent management strategy and that it should be integrated into your career development, into your exit management and into your alumni management process. So, you know, before, during and after careers with the organization, kind of merging that boundary of the firm um, and extending the relationship beyond your formal work contract. You know, I worked in media and I know when people have worked in media and other industries where a big thing of it is having a non-compete if you dare to leave, uh, non-disclosures in lots of industries. This does not make you feel good about the organization. They're basically stopping you from earning a living for a period of time. How do you think that works in this framework? Uh, So I think we would recommend that you don't have non-competes if you don't need them. Now, certainly there are times where you have proprietary information and intellectual property that you need to protect and that you need to use them. But what you said rings true is that it does create a feeling of mistrust. And so if you're able to not use those kind of, you know, binding um, those policies in organizations, I think that's beneficial. So, okay, let's uh, look at where we are right now. We just came through this pandemic and it changed a lot of things. It changed how we work. Are we able to be trusted if we're working from home or elsewhere? Uh, Changed some management structures. Do you think it'll change anything in terms of the employee experience and particularly the offboarding experience? So we've seen a lot on this, the great resignation or the turnover tsunami that people are really looking at leaving a lot more than they had in the past due to their experience during the pandemic and due to their questioning of what's meaningful to them of, you know, time with family and flexibility and a lack of commute has come up as one of the the top reasons that remote work is, is interesting and engaging for people. And so, you know, there was one report uh, that Sherm had commented on Society for Human Resource Management that almost half of all the employees, the 2000 employees that they surveyed said they were looking for a new job this year. And so you do see that there, there's some interest in voluntary leaving. And so, you know, going back to what Ali said earlier, yes, offboarding is going to be important, but it's also the experiences that employees had while they're working at the organization and during the pandemic that, you know, you can't just slap on an alumni program now and then you know, have make it a better experience, but um, creating a positive offboarding exit management and alumni program allows you to maybe benefit in the future from some of these employees leaving now and see, you know, things like we talked about the brand enhancement, um, the recruitment where people might come back or boomerangs um, and even those business to business partnerships uh, that could occur in the future. Yeah, I just think, as Erin mentioned, that it's going to become more important to manage offboarding well as we see turnover increasing. And and just to clarify, we aren't suggesting yay turnover people leave. Um, We absolutely believe retention is important and it, it should be a goal and a target. 
but we understand it's not a reality always. And so in the event that we know people are gonna leave, it might be better for them and it might be better for the organization. So if people are recognizing because of the pandemic that work from home is better from them or they have different values than they thought or different passions than they originally thought, then it might be better for them to leave to pursue those opportunities than be a miserable employee. But we want them to understand um, that we support that and they may have a network of people who are really great for our organization and do want what we offer and so they can refer them or um, we might need them to work on a contract basis or a seasonal basis or they might mentor our employees um, they might do the glass store you know recommendations and positive referrals so i think that um one of the the things that really pushed us to try to get this article out in HBR was that the pandemic was making it even more relevant. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned seasonality and contracts. I was going to ask about that because you've been talking about managing employees. Employees may not be, you know, the core of every organization going forward. Is this particularly important when we're talking about gig workers or workers who come in and out? Yeah, we see this as relevant for all types of workers. And that's one of the interesting things when we've been talking to companies that have these alumni programs and are successful in offboarding is that they do not differentiate on type of employee that they offer these programs for almost everyone that we've talked to says everyone gets invited to be a part of the alumni network. And so it is relevant to have that talent inventory and think about um, maintaining those connections in all types of workers. And again, as you mentioned, especially for seasonal work, that's something you're going to need year after year. And so if you have this positive process, it allows you to more easily recruit and retain workers when the time comes. Allison, any last words? Um, no, I, I think that we've really covered a lot of um, the research we've been doing and, and everything. And I just appreciate you inviting us to speak with you today. Oh, great to have the chance to talk to you. It's a subject that we don't cover enough. So thank you to both of you. Erin Macarius is a professor at the University of Akron's College of Business Administration. Allison Dockner is Associate Professor of Management at the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. Well, that is it for today. If you'd like to learn more about Allison and Erin and their work, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy this discussion, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. It will really help people to find us and it will help us continue these discussions around the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.